Well, good morning. Uh, you may or may not have known that I wasn't here last week. Uh, sad if you don't were here and you didn't miss me. Uh, you may have heard Greg talk about a little bit about what I did, and you may be wondering um, or fully convinced now that something is literally wrong with me. Uh, let me give you a little bit, and this does tie into what I want to talk about today. Uh, so last weekend, I was in an event called a grow ruck. Um, it, it, rucking is literally putting a weight in a bag and walking around with it. And so our weight was a 30-pound steel plate inside of a book bag, plus they made us carry six liters of water. And for anybody that has camped before or hiked, six liters of water is a lot of water. I didn't even drink it all in the whole time. So this event started at 6 p.m. on last Saturday night and went till 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. So 15 hours, um, no sleep. Uh, I think we had maybe one 10-minute uh, break that we got to literally sit down. Uh, outside of that, it was carrying the weight that was in our bag and then a lot of other things. Uh, one being about a 30-foot, 1,500 to 2,000-pound um, telephone pole, which was horrible. Literally, literally, when we picked it up, we thought it was a joke, and they were going to make us carry it across the parking lot and then put it down and have a good laugh at us. Well, we carried it two miles, um, and it was horrible. The only thing that I kept doing in my brain was, don't think about, do we have to bring this back? <laughs> which we did not. And I just want to tell you that a lot of our experiences change the way we view things. It does. If you've been through a hard thing, on the other side of that hard thing, you learn things about yourself. And I learned things about myself over that 15 hours of torture. I wouldn't say that it was like people ask today, like, how was it? And it's hard to say it was good or fun. Um, but it was a great experience. Because in that time, God has a way along the road of, of showing you some things, some inconsistencies that you have in your life, some things that you need to work on, some areas that you need improvement on. And that's basically what the night was, is leadership development. They'd put different people in charge. They were constantly changing the game that we were playing on there, of getting here or getting there or carrying this. And a lot of us sit around... Um, and watch these obstacle course races, these adventure races on TV, and we think to ourselves, like, how well would I do? The problem is, is we spent way too much time watching things and very little time doing things. And so today, I'm going to talk about a, a road trip, a, a seven-mile walk, and a conversation that happens on that, because I believe that along the road, and this is what we're in, if you are a disciple of Jesus, you're in a journey, you have not joined a club, okay? There's, the de there's a destination, and, and a lot of times the destination that we're going to, there's pain along the journey, and I, I heard someone say this this weekend at the thing that I was at, that vision gives pain a purpose. Vision gives pain a purpose. The thing, because you ask yourself, 15 hours, I'm like, why am I doing this? 
3 o'clock in the morning, we're just in Myrtle Beach, and I tell you what, Myrtle Beach doesn't sleep, and we had lots of drunk people like, what are you doing? Can we, can we walk with you? And I mean, it was, it was just an odd, odd experience. The police got called on us. Um, they came and didn't really stop us, but he was like, we heard some people with, had he, red headlights on. We had red headlights, and they were chanting USA, which we were not. But people were, because they thought, you know, this was some, like, honor of soldiers or whatever, which it wasn't. But it, in the middle of that, you have to have vision for the pain that you will encounter. If you're a mother in this room, you've probably read the scripture that, you know, that there is pain in the process of giving birth. But a lot of that changes on the other side because you have finally in your hands the purpose for that pain. And if we don't have purpose for some of the road that we're going to travel, we'll get very discouraged. And I think the trip that we're going to talk about today was a road trip of discouragement, which I'll explain that in a little bit. So here's the one thing that I want you to hear today. And I believe it's really the only way it happens. There is growth in the journey. If you're not in a journey, you're probably not growing. If you're not pursuing, and this is a great kickoff or or continuation of what Alan talked about last week. Faith without works is dead. Like there has to be something in us that we're moving towards. So let's pray. Jesus, we can be a stationary people that sit and wait and watch. Lord, I pray that today as we read your encounter with two disciples that were on a walk away from Jerusalem, that we would get inspired to clarify why we're on the road that we're on. That we would get inspired to dig deeper into understanding who you are. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be a people that build the wrong part of you up. Lord, that we acknowledge that you are the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. And that that would move us to clarifying where we're going and why we're on this road. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. Uh, And this you have probably heard or seen at some point. It's called the road to Emmaus. This is right afterwards. So Jesus has been crucified. He has been laid in a tomb and he has resurrected. Which we'll hear in just a second as the disciples are talking along the road going away from the city. But one thing that you'll see in this, and I think this is something that we're going to have to deal with in our journey, is that doubt is stronger than faith in this conversation. Really, on the, after the resurrection, doubt is what is consuming all the disciples. They weren't there to witness the resurrection of Jesus. They were hiding. Many of them were scared, and these two were going away from the city. So we're going to pick it up in verse 13. Says that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. On that day, they're talking about on resurrection morning, 
They're walking away, and they've heard testimonies, which we're going to see in just a second. Verse 14, it says, And they were talking to each other about these things, talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that it happened. Maybe they were talking about their disappointing because they wanted a ruling king and not a dead one. Which we're going to have to deal with on our journey because there's going to be things that disappoint us. There's going to be things that we believe Jesus should be doing in our time right now that he's not doing. And we're going to have to rest in faith or live in doubt. Which you'll see they struggle with. I read this in a commentary talking about this, and I think this is um, very apparent. I don't know if you know this, but uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, And after 2020, uh, there's been a lot more uh, mental health issues and concerns that are going on in our world with people around us. A lot of us in this room are, are affected by people that we know or maybe are affected ourselves. And I read this in a commentary that the stress of the heart is best shared with others. They weren't by themselves. They were talking about what went on, and they were sharing this. And I think part of as we journey, and I'm going to say this at the end too, as we journey, we need people that we can trust, that we can have these conversations with. Because if you never communicate the doubts that are going on inside of you, they will consume you. They'll become your truth. They'll become who you are. And we have to have these conversations. Verse 15 says, While they were talking and discussing together, so they're walking down the road, Jesus himself drew drew near and went to them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And here's a question that I don't have an answer to. Maybe someone here will want to dig later, but I'm just going to throw it out to you. Why was this journey so important? Jesus has not even at this point appeared to his 11 disciples. And he spends seven miles walking with these two disciples, having this conversation. That's just for free. You can dig into that later. I think it's important enough to have a conversation about it if Jesus spent some of his first conversations out of the tomb with these two guys. Verse 17. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And so they're walking. And it's not unusual, like as you're journeying, for others to kind of walk with you because there's safety in numbers. And he's hearing the conversations. He's hidden himself from them, so they're not aware that this is Jesus. And he asked, what is this conversation that you're having? Because he's overhearing the conversation. And they stopped. It says, and they stood still looking sad. Yes, they're sad because their hopes and dreams are now gone. They stopped and was like, what is wrong with you? Like, how do you not? They're getting ready to like belittle Jesus for not knowing his own story. But that's, that's a whole nother one. He stopped walking, they asked him, in verse 18, it says, Then one of them, named Cleophas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there, there in these days? Are you the only person? Like, have you been living under a rock? How are you unaware if you're in or leaving the city, heading in this direction, 
How are you clueless about what's going on? In verse 19. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, and listen to this next statement. <laughs> Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Notice what they're not saying. They're calling him a mighty prophet, not the Messiah, not the Christ. Not the resurrected king, even though they've already heard stories that the tomb is empty. Verse 20. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we have hoped that he, and listen to this, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They had different expectations for Jesus that weren't being met. Redeem Israel. They wanted a ruling king that was going to eliminate Rome and set back on the throne a ruler of Israel in the city of God. They wanted a different Jesus. This is maybe a convicting point to us. How many times do we want a different Jesus. We want a Jesus that is going to kick butt and take names. And that's what, not what Jesus did. I'm drawn, I don't know about other guys in this room, maybe ladies, I'm drawn to movies where there's the hero redeems. He, he I mean, he usually redeems with a bullet or a sword but that he 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 comes back and he gets the revenge and that's not the jesus that we see they wanted a jesus that redeemed i think a lot of times we miss out on the journey that god is calling us to because we want a different jesus or i love this one uh, we want the Savior, but we don't want the Lord. And those two things don't come separated. We don't get salvation without surrender to lordship. Continue on in 21. It says, yes, and beside this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels. Who said that he was alive. So they have they have testimony of people that they know, not random strangers. They have testimony of the, these women were known by the disciples. They would be known by these two. So it wasn't like just someone trying to stir the pot. This was someone that they would naturally have believed. Some of those, Peter and John, who were <clears throat> with us, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. So they went there, other witnesses, but they did not see him. They had still not seen the physical incarnation of Jesus. They had not seen him physically. And, and 
little side note, after 24, notice that even after hearing this news, they're going away from the city. I don't know what their business was, but these were not one of the 11, these two, but they were his disciples. He's appearing to them on a road where they're going away from the city. Maybe out of fear, maybe they just had an appointment, who knows, but they're leaving the city discouraged. And then this unknown man is getting ready to rebuke them, which I I think is funny. Funny because he's going to deal with what they just said, but funny that it's still at this point, through this rebuke, they don't know that this person is Jesus in 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, I think what he's saying here is, I get your doubt with other people. I get your doubt with hearing a testimony that you haven't seen, but I don't understand why knowing, and they know these things, the Moses and the prophets, that you don't know that these things were going to have to happen. The whole Bible has been pointing to Jesus. prophets, Moses, were in preparation for this coming king. And they explained how it was going to be. It was not unknown. Even Jesus told them over and over again, but they did not want it the way Jesus had planned it. Jesus reminded them of all the things that they already knew. These were most likely good Jews that knew these things. They were educated about the coming Messiah. And notice that even through all of this testimony, all of this pointing back to Jesus, acknowledging that he, this was going to happen, that he was going to come out of that tomb, they're still not turning around yet. Verse 28. So they drew near the village to which they were going. He acted as he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes are getting ready to be opened. (laughs) Verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. I love, I love this. And he vanished from their sight. Boom. Are you going to doubt? Let's deal with that. And they said to each other, and this is, this is the line that stood out to me in this text. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? How often should our hearts be burning for the things that we're seeing and experiencing and reading in our word? 
See, they still weren't getting it. And I, I honestly, I believe without this journey, they would have missed it. And, and this is what I'm trying to say this morning. If you're sitting back waiting, living life, doing the things, watching Netflix, just existing, but you're intentionally not engaging in this journey of faith, of exploration in the Word, you're missing out what God wants to do in and through you. I love that you're here in this building. Because if you weren't here, you know, it'd be sad. I'd be up here with three or four people, my kids, my family. But this isn't the journey. This is just part of it. The journey happens outside of this room. Part of what we do here in this room is to spur you for more outside of this room. Because if this is it, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I spent a lot, I've spent my entire life in church. Going to church, going to Sunday school, going to youth group. In the first 18 years of it, I was just there. And part of my fear is that there's a lot of people that are just here. At the end of your life, you're going to be standing before God and you're going to be using your attendance as a reason why you should be part of his kingdom. That you're going to reason with him, which this won't really work, about what you put in that cool metal box in the back. And God was going to tell you, just like the, the uh, parable of the talents, he's like, I gave you these things. I gave you these things, and you knew I was going away, and you knew I was coming back. And there's going to be some of us that God is going to be absolutely proud of for the things that we've done with the things that he's given us. And there's going to be some of us just like the story that dug a hole and hit it. And we, when he returns, we present him back with what he gave us. And that's not what he wants from us. He wants our engagement. Because I don't know if you understand this or see it or if experienced it yet, but... Um, our world as a whole is not worshiping Jesus. To be honest, our world as a whole is progressively getting worse. And it's going to continue to get worse. And it's our job to get in the game. It's our job to get serious about this journey so that we can express who God is to us. I mean, these two guys at this point weren't bringing anybody to Jesus. Think about it. I mean, there's lots of conversations that I've had since I have been saved that I know and love Jesus, that God has worked through me. I don't know if you figured this out. The longer you serve Jesus, the more you realize I'm still missing something. I still don't have everything right. I still am trying to figure things out. And we should be. If you're sitting here in this room and you think you've got it all figured out, that you have perfected the life in Jesus, something's wrong. You're either so hung up on your own pride that you can't even see your own issues. 
coming back from last weekend, I was more aware of some issues that I'm not dealing with. And you know what? When we acknowledge these things, when God brings them to your attention, things that you need to work on, things that you need to literally do, let me, let me give you some helpful advice. Because you think God has just opened a door, and this is what I should do, that when you step into it, you think it's going to be cake and pie. Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. My last week of trying to do things differently. It is an up hill battle the moment you decide hey there's things in my life that are not healthy and not good the moment you decide to fix them expect opposition many of us get right off that journey that we feel god's put us on because it's hard and difficult and for those that have persevered for those that have um, made it to this point and seen the glory of god you understand that our trying, difficult times are, are what make us. Life is like that journey with the log. You're going to carry stuff way over your ability. And you need other people in that journey to help you. So he vanished. They were like, how did we not no. As he's saying these words to us, how did we not know? How was our hearts not on fire? In verse 33, it says they rode, it rose, finally, they rose in that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven of those who were with him gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. We've seen him. And has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road. And how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Uh, this story is only in Luke. There's a reference to it in Mark 16, verse 12 and 13, which I'll read. It says, after these things, he appeared in another form to two of them. As they were walking into the country, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe him. See this doubt. And, and if you continue reading, which we're not getting in today, if you continue reading after this verse, what happens? Jesus appears in front of the group. He shows them his scars. He deals with their disbelief. And he prepares them for what's coming. What are you doing with the doubt that is going on inside of you? There is growth in the journey. If and when you enter into it. And so my question for you this morning is what journey are you in because some of us and there's been seasons in my life where i feel like i am pressing in when i'm on the wrong road man i've i've bitten into so many things that i've just got, I've, I've missed and then i've realized oh oh come back let's recenter let's fix what's going on 
because our journey is part of it. There's been seasons of my life, literally, um, where I wasn't in the Word. That I, 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 I was filled with emotion, so emotion drove me, drove me here or there, and I had no Word anchoring me to it. And that, at least in this conversation, they're still talking about what's going on. So here's a question for you. Where are you going? What's your vision for your family, for your kids? My kids are getting old. My oldest turned 19. She's in her last years of being a teenager. Freaking me out. It's freaking me out. Mostly because it makes me aware of things that I feel like I've not done so well there is time that is progressing, whether we are active or passive about our faith. Your journey is better with others. So when you decide to get on that journey, we need each other. You were never meant to understand and unpack everything by yourself. Because completely honest, we're pretty bad at that. When we're the only voice, we're just better. My experience last weekend, I could not have done any of the things. I was in a a platoon of our 103 that started. uh, We were split into three platoons. I was in a platoon of 34 guys. I could not have done any of the things that they asked us to do by myself. Which I think is a direct reflection of our life as believers. We need each other. Are you having discussions about the word together? I did another tough thing with Terry a few years ago. He suckered me into going to the Appalachian Trail, which sounds beautiful. Beautiful suffering. Hills that never end, false summits. It's all lies as you climb. Terry was always in front of me, leading the way. And just like my experience last weekend, I would have not done any of the things that we did on that mountain, climbing those hills, without Terry. Left to ourselves, we're always going to do less than our potential. In my mind, I'm like, Terry's older than me. (laughs) If he's going to get up that mountain. But he was always in front of me. (laughs) Like, I've never fought so much internally than climbing the Smoky Mountains. And all I can say to myself is like, just keep, keep going. Terry's up there. He's still doing it. There's something about us that there's something that happens when you find people that push you to your potential. Because I, I know, I'm, I'm fully aware, if, if anything else, all the things that I've done in my 45 years of existence has clued me into that I will go further with others with me. You will do more 
if you have others around you circling behind the, the text, you know, using each other to balance each other, to, to, to push you into areas that you, don't, you don't, maybe don't want to do or want to go. There's so many things physically I don't want to do that I do because of other men in my life. And it's the same way spiritually. If we surround ourselves with people that aren't pursuing, what are we going to do? Find some people in this room. Even if you have to start something and say, hey, I just want to get in the Word and I want to, I want to dig a little deeper. Start having those conversations. Because there's people in this room that are very engaged with the text that would love to just go, let's study together. Because we need it. Because we could be, I think, a lot like these people heading away from the city, having conversations that aren't 100%. Meaning, they're talking about, like, here's this prophet, here's what happened, and they completely missed what they already knew about Jesus. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. I don't know what you need to work on. But I'm pretty sure you do. So you have two choices today. You can decide, I'm just going to ignore it, hoping that it'll get better. Or you can do something about it. And let me just promise you, what you do about it will be difficult, won't be easy. But doing nothing about something that needs to change and doing something, even if it's not the right something yet, will help you change. Jesus did not come to give you inspirational thoughts. He didn't give you things to memorize. He came to give you life. And our life only comes through him as we follow him. We can't experience Jesus from afar. And if we see anything about his three years of ministry, he brought people close to him. He spent time with them to grow and develop them so he could send them out. But then they were still together. So we're going to worship. We're going to sing another song. And I encourage you, as you're here in this room, as you're wrestling with something, our prayer team's going to be in the back uh, at the close of service. Figure out and decide if you're going to start engaging in this life that Jesus has called you to. And my first thing is make a decision on what that looks like today. And here, here's, the, here's the greatest thing. If you've utterly failed at it, confess it. Tell Jesus today, as much as I love you, I, I've not done a good job at this, but I want to. I want you. I want life that comes from you. And confess it. Because as we'll see from this moment on, Jesus is okay with you not getting it right. But what he'll do constantly is continue to push you towards what he wants. This is what he's, he's opening it up to them until he broke the bread and their eyes were opened.
A little bit later, he's going to come into that room and he's going to begin to establish something. So decide. I'm getting in the game or I'm going to sit on the sideline and hope it's going to pan out. And my next thing for you, and this isn't necessarily a right now thing, you need, and our group of uh, guys, we sometimes they'll call it a shield lock, you need people that you can lock arms with in this journey that you're going to decide to get on that are going to push you further. And my encouragement after today, start praying that God would open the door to people that you need to invite into your life to say, let's do this together. Let's pray. God, there's so much of what's going on in our hearts right now that we don't know. There's people in this room that feel like utter failures. Lord, I pray that you would let your grace and your mercy flow over them. Lord, I pray that we would know it was never about our good works. It was never about our good effort. It's about us surrendering and following you. Lord, I pray as we in this room make imperfect steps to chase after you, that you would give us grace and mercy to continue. Lord, I pray for those in this room that are acknowledging that they've not followed you at all and that today they want to. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in their life. Lord, I pray for those in this room that they need desperately other men and women in their life to help shape guide. They need mentors. They need peers. They need friends that are going to help push them along in our, in our journey. And Lord, I pray that you would bring those supernaturally. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, I thank you that in spite of us not getting everything right, you still are there saying, come to me. pray as we pursue you. Lord, we acknowledge that your word says that, Lord, if we knock, if we seek, we will find. I pray that that would be our heart today. Lord, I pray that you would be honored as we worship you. Lord, I thank you for all the mothers in this room that have given sacrificially their lives to their children and their families to serve and love and protect. Lord, I pray that we, the men in this room, could honor the women in our lives and acknowledge all the things that they've done for us and our family. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We pray these things.